and welcome to All There Is. I'm your host, Kelly Bargabas, and I have a special treat for you today. This is a Keep It Real episode featuring a real person with a real story and a very real life. Today, I'm going to be talking with Lindsay Sprague, who is my niece-in-law. And she joined our family a number of years ago. I should know the number, but it's probably been at least 10 years, I want to say. I'm so grateful that she found her way to our family. And you know how it is. It's like you don't even know that these people exist out there. And then they find their way to your family and become a part of it. And it feels like you've known them your whole life. And they fit. You can't imagine your family without them because they just belong there. And it's, that's just kind of a really cool thing that happens when your kids or your nieces and nephews start to partner up and fall in love with amazing people. And you have all these new people join your family. And it's like, yeah, where have you been? You know, this makes perfect sense. And don't even get me started on her two babies because they are amazing little girls. And I'm just so excited that I get to have them and love them in my life. So anyway, she has an amazing story. It's a very powerful and emotional story. And she's going to talk about a topic called postpartum OCD. Whether or not you are in that world of having babies right now, currently, or in the past, or might be in the future. I think regardless of any of that, she's going to share her story. And for me, there were some really universal themes in this story. And I think you will definitely resonate and relate. This episode is just another on our journey of sharing this human experience in order to connect, to shift paradigms, to share, and to experience this world together. So thanks for listening. And here it is. Well, hi, Lindsay. Thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate you coming on All There Is. Thanks for having me. Sure. And as you know, in All There Is, my goal is really just to witness the spectrum of human experience and to share that so that we can connect and shift paradigms and change the way people think and ultimately make this world a smaller place by sharing our stories. And I, I've heard your story. Obviously, I know you. And I think it's really powerful. And I think it's going to resonate with people. I know for me personally, I have never experienced childbirth. So I haven't experienced postpartum anything. And yet the story really spoke to me, I'm sure, in a different way than it would to a mother. But really spoke to me. And I don't, I'm sure you do, you know me as well. And I don't know if you've listened to some of my other podcast episodes, but one of the things that I'm pretty passionate about is invisible disabilities and really understanding that there's a lot going on that we don't always see on the surface. And I certainly wouldn't categorize what we're going to talk about today as a disability. I'm not saying that, but I think my point is that this is something that you don't see on the surface and you don't always know that someone is struggling with. And so having that insight is really helpful, regardless of uh, whether or not you can relate to this specifically from a motherhood standpoint. It's just really interesting and insightful, I think, to know that that 
people have all kinds of things going on that we don't know about. So, yeah, I agree. And I think something that I've experienced in like, since I've started sharing this struggle that I've had is so many people say to me like, Oh my God, I didn't know that about you. Like you seem very well put together and you're Mm -hmm. calm. And so I definitely feel that. (laughs) Yeah. I, I think I agree. I'm a great mom, but great moms can struggle. That's right. That's true. So why don't we start, why not for the benefit of our listeners, tell everybody, you know, who you are and what you spend your time doing. Yeah. So hi everyone. My name is Lindsay. Um, I am 32 years old. I'm a mother of two girls who are Kelly's great nieces. Mm -hmm. Um, Their dad is Kelly's nephew. Um, I am a social worker by occupation. I work for a large care coordination organization that supports folks with intellectual and developmental disabilities. In my free time, (laughs) the small amount that I have, I love to be with my girls. I love to be outside. Family is really important to me. So I love to just spend time with my family. And more recently, I've started writing, which is something that I did when I was in high school. And so that that's something that I think I will do more of, but that's a new hobby of mine. Great. First, I want to ask you, because I, I don't even know this about you, why social work? What, what made you choose this career path? Um, I think for a large part of my childhood and adolescence, there were just some things happening in my home and my life and my mind that not a lot of people understood. And I think I wasn't able to articulate well. Um, So the thing that I love about social work is advocacy um, and just the idea of being an advocate for someone who maybe isn't able to or just doesn't have the ability to um, advocate for themselves and use their voice for themselves. So that's something that really drew me to social work. And then I just love working in the world of disabilities and I especially love working with um, kiddos on the autism spectrum, you know, folks who really can't communicate well, and I feel very connected to that. So it's hmm. important to, to be a voice. Hmm. Oh, I love that. And you mentioned something that I didn't know about you. And one of my questions for you was going to be, do you normally write or journal or keep a diary? And you just mentioned that in you did some writing in high school. Yeah, that was an outlet for me, I think, when I was growing up. Um, you know, when sometimes I think when you feel like no one's listening, it, mm-hmm. it's good to just get it out. And then at least you've gotten your thoughts out and they're on paper. And But yeah, I haven't written in a long time. And I don't know. I just, with this topic, postpartum obsessive compulsive disorder is something that I just felt compelled to write about, compelled to write about both of my birth stories. And I don't know, like inside me needed to do it. Yeah, it is so therapeutic to write it for me. I mean, I've been the same way. And I've talked about that on this podcast, too, that just just the way I process things, I almost have to write it out. You know, I've also had people ask me, well, what voice do you write in? Like, is it you're writing to yourself? Are you writing to God? Like, 
who are you writing to? And I don't, I honestly still to this day don't know. I think I'm kind of writing to myself and the universe at large, but I don't know. It's just, it's such a uh, therapeutic process to go through. I think I definitely write for myself. You know, I just wrote this piece that I'm going to read a couple weeks ago, but I find myself referring back to it if I'm like struggling, right? Like, wait a minute, I'm not fragile. I'm not, you know, I can handle this. I'm empowered. Right. So I, I think I definitely write for myself. Yeah, I do that too. And, you know, some people might think this sounds egotistical, but I do the same thing. And sometimes I'll go back and listen to something I've, I've posted or, or wrote even just in my journal and think, and it inspires me or it comforts me or yeah. it resets me. Like, yes. y- you know, exactly what you just said, like, no, okay, you've already worked through this and here's what you learned. And yeah. yeah. So when you were writing this piece, uh, which is such a powerful and moving piece. And when I read it, I thought immediately, like, we've got to share this because it was just so good. And your writing was so powerful and impactful and raw. When you were writing it, what audience did you have in mind? Like, who did you hope would hear this? And what did you think they could benefit from? I don't know that I had an audience in mind. I think when I sat down and wrote, it was for me. I wanted to get it out. I wanted to get it on paper. I didn't know that it would evolve into this like reminder for myself. I also, I guess there was probably a little bit of me that was like, damn, I did. I'm doing some pretty awesome things. I'm proud of myself for these things. And I think also my family and my friends that I haven't always been open and honest and vulnerable with because that stuff is hard to say out loud. And like, when do you talk about that? Like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm really struggling with postpartum OCD. It's just not something that comes up, right? So I thought maybe it would be some insight in in a way. Cool. All right. So I'm going to read my piece. Might get a little shaky in some parts because I do feel sad um, about some of the things that are in here. And I think other people might feel a little sad about some of the things that are written in here. There is a lot about like medical concerns and hospitals and um, also death. Some of the visions that I would have throughout this experience were really disturbing. So just kind of say that out loud um, for folks who may not want to listen to those. So this is called True Joy. I think I've always been an anxious person. Since maybe 10 or 11 years old, I have been filled with tension and what I would call edges. Nothing flowed smoothly through my brain from one side to the other. Thoughts I had were always met with an edge and then took a hard, sharp turn somewhere else and then somewhere far into the weeds would end so far from where they started. I started to learn about my anxiety and where it may have stemmed from when I studied social work and became interested in human psychology in college. I learned the ways that our childhood and adolescence can mold our adult brains. That was nice. It gave me an out. Something and someone's to blame for all those years of thought racing body-hating, tension-filled moments, days, weeks, months. You get the idea. 
When I started to understand the why behind my own struggles, I sat in that. I sat in that and didn't even know that there was another way. It was just me. I had convinced myself that every negative situation was mine to fix. Every person in my life needed my input on their incorrect behavior because shit, who wouldn't want to do things the right way? I was just so clear on the fact that I knew best and the people around me just desperately needed my insight and guidance. Surely then they would see what was right. And then I became a mother. Most of us are familiar with the struggles mothers can experience during pregnancy and during the postpartum period. We've heard about the baby blues, postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, etc. That was all old news to me. I had never heard of postpartum obsessive compulsive disorder until 11 months after I had my second daughter, and my therapist mentioned it to me within the first 20 minutes of our first session. By definition, Postpartum OCD is characterized by intrusive thoughts and behaviors that are in response to a perceived danger towards your baby. These thoughts and behaviors are constant and repetitive, and they can severely disrupt daily life. They can severely disrupt daily life. What a fucking understatement. I learned that postpartum OCD tends to happen in women who are already anxious to begin with. It also happens to women who experience some sort of trauma at birth. I didn't consider myself a woman who had traumatic birth stories. I considered myself really lucky, actually. I didn't realize that I could claim both trauma and gratitude. Like, if I let myself acknowledge the trauma that I had experienced during my daughter's births, it somehow would take away from the fact that I am so grateful for my healthy, neurotypical, magical, beautiful, and wild babies. But the truth is, we can have both trauma and gratitude. We don't need to feel guilt for acknowledging our trauma. Yes, someone out there has it worse than you. Fine, say it. But that doesn't mean that there isn't room for you to feel your own trauma. Our trauma is ours only. Empathy is a beautiful and necessary feeling, but empathy can turn into guilt quickly. There were two images that would involuntarily enter my brain many times each and every day. I debated about whether or not to detail them here, but this is my story, so I will. The first image I would see was my house on fire. My house was on fire and my boyfriend and I got out, but our kids didn't. The vision of my five-year-old standing on a step stool trying to reach for her baby sister to rescue her from her crib while the house burned around them. Both of them burned and charred. That was the first image. The second image was me driving across a bridge with both girls fastened safely in the back of the car. Without warning, the bridge began to crumble. We crashed into the water and I desperately tried to rescue my babies from the car that was filling up, but I couldn't. I couldn't save both of them. These images were very real to me. I tried to play out each scenario in my head. What would I do? How could I ever live without my kids? How would life be different? Would I even survive this? How would I fix this? All of these questions circling around my brain for these scenarios that were not happening. Furthermore, it was as if preparing myself for these scenarios 
would somehow make it easier when it happened because I knew it would happen. I just knew it. I thought all mothers thought these things. I felt like it was normal because I just loved them so much. Of course, my brain went there. I laughed it off as just me being crazy. Nope, nope. Those things are not normal. And I was not crazy. It took me six years and a really amazing therapist to understand that concept. My first daughter was born in 2015. I was induced at 41 weeks and delivered her the same day of my induction. This is unheard of, lucky me. She was nine pounds, six ounces, and I delivered her vaginally with a smile on my face and catfish on TV. I remember my incredible nurse saying, holy shit, you just delivered a 10 pound baby with a smile on your face. You need to have like five more kids. I was on cloud nine. Breastfeeding was easy for us. She was perfect. The next day, I was in the room alone with her when the nurse came in at shift change to introduce herself. Right at that time, I noticed that my daughter's color had changed a bit. She had started to look really pale and then a little gray. The nurse calmly said she was going to take her to the nursery then rushed out the door so fast, I didn't even have time to process what was going on. I distinctly remember her not even closing the door behind her. I knew something was weird. I don't want this essay to turn into my daughter's NICU stay. Though it was short, it was excruciating. She had swallowed some of her own poop during delivery and spent the next 14 hours in the neonatal intensive care unit having her stomach pumped, vomiting, x-rays, being hooked up to machines, being away from her mom. I felt so out of control. I think this is where my journey with postpartum OCD started. I'm sure they all meant well, but the staff's inability to give me an honest answer and honest information and the all we can do is wait and see mentality left me unable to find a single person in that hospital that would just tell me what I needed to hear, that my baby would live. I just needed to know my baby would live. I couldn't fix this, and that's my trauma. Five days after my daughter was born, we were at my mother-in-law's, who was a nurse, for dinner. My best friend was visiting from Florida. I was off. I felt off. I don't know how else to describe it. I had brain fog. My body was not tired, but my mind was. I didn't feel sad. I didn't feel like I wanted to hurt my baby, but I felt so off that I didn't know if I could care for her, and that that made me feel guilty. A close friend of mine will tell you that something he's known about me for the 12 years we've been friends is that I've always only wanted to be a mother. It was and is the only job I ever want to be good at, the only job that truly matters to me. So why couldn't I just do it? My mother-in-law took my blood pressure and it was high. I don't remember how high, but high enough to concern her when not much usually concerns her. The next day I sat in my OBGYN's office while she told me I was probably within days of having a stroke. My blood pressure was 189 over 121. I will never forget those numbers. I had postpartum preeclampsia, and that's my trauma. Fast forward to March 15th, 2020. 
I found myself being induced again with my second daughter. March 15th, 2020, in my community, Central New York, was the beginning of the pandemic and all of its social distancing, COVID-19 restrictions. While we were waiting for my little lucky clover, who wasn't born until March 17th, my boyfriend ended up getting sick with a stomach bug while at the hospital. He had to leave on the 16th and never returned. I delivered her without him. I was alone for the next several days because he was unable to return and no one could visit me because of COVID-19. The nurses and the doctors were great, but I was alone. I'm not a strong enough writer to be able to depict what it feels like to be alone in a hospital room with your newborn baby, separated from her dad, my other daughter who was four at the time, and all other family members while watching the news about a worldwide pandemic and begging the nurses for formula samples to take home because I'm afraid there won't be any left on the shelves and breastfeeding is not going as planned. Would I be able to feed my daughter? When her pediatrician came to the hospital to discharge her, she spoke to me through the door. I didn't even see her face. She told me not to bring my baby outside of the house and to not let anyone in because they just didn't know enough about COVID and how it could hurt my family. That's my trauma. I was petrified that I would have postpartum preeclampsia again. I watched for all the signs, tried to remember all the ways I felt in 2015 so I could recognize it earlier this time. I was desperate to be well. And then it happened. I was changing the baby's diaper on our second day home and saw the weird, squiggly white lines in my vision. I panicked. I took my blood pressure and it was high, 160 over 98. That's my trauma. In both instances of my postpartum high blood pressure, it was controlled quickly and effectively. So why 11 months after my second daughter was born was I still feeling so panicked? so frantic, so out of control. Was this just my life now? Was I always going to be this person who constantly lived in fight or flight mode? This woman who constantly felt like danger was lurking around every corner? Was I always going to be this mom that I didn't want to be? I was so ashamed. Why couldn't I just be the mom I wanted to be? I don't think I even realized how bad it had gotten. Has that ever happened to you? You don't even know how far you've gotten away from yourself? Have you ever gone months without feeling true joy? Months with your growing, healthy, happy babies without feeling true joy? Fear and panic taking over your every thought? So much so that you don't even realize it anymore? It's just become the norm. The first counselor I saw was nice. She was kind. She was empathetic. She validated me, but I needed more. I needed some insight into what the fuck was going on in my mind because I just knew it wasn't right. My baby was almost a year old and I couldn't remember more than once that I felt true joy in being her mom. I was so sad about that. Even writing that now makes me feel so sad and guilty and shameful. That's my trauma. I found a new therapist, 
one that knew a lot about perinatal and postpartum conditions and experiences. I Googled it. Between the intake paperwork and my brief description of why I had sought her out, he immediately saw what was going on. He described thought processes and behaviors of mine perfectly, like she had spent the last six years living inside my mind. I felt understood. She had seen this before. She knew other mothers that did the same things and had the same thoughts. He didn't push me to do more self-care. She didn't tell me to just forget about the dishes in the sink. She didn't minimize my struggles into something that could be easily resolved. She knew I was bright enough to have tried those things already, so she didn't even mention them. She educated me with science and medical information that helped me understand myself. There was a name for it. Postpartum Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. Though it would take some commitment and difficult work, she also supported me to believe that I have what it takes to change my thought processes. She understood my goal, to feel at home within myself again. I felt hopeful for the first time in as long as I can remember. I felt like a good mom for the first time in years. I've thought about writing something like this for many months. I won't lie and say, this isn't about me. It's about spreading awareness. Certainly, there is part of me that wants to say postpartum OCD out loud so that you'll Google it and be able to recognize the signs in yourself or your loved ones. But I'm no therapist, so I won't pretend to have the answers. This is about me. This is all about me. I wanted to share my story because it's important, just like yours. I wanted to remind myself that I am so strong, I am so capable, and I am empowered. I want my loved ones to have a glimpse inside my brain because that insight might help to understand me. If others can gain something from this, that's an added bonus. If these words resonate with you, I'm so happy. You are understood. I'm working on so many things. I'm working on holding my feelings and recognizing them for what they are. I'm working on not making up stories in my head about what's going to happen or what's around the corner. I'm working on knowing that there's not always a threat in my environment. I am working on remembering that the limbic system does not create the right connection between reality and how you respond to it. I am working on remembering that I am not a disordered person, that my brain has made some mistakes that will take time to correct, but that these mistakes were made to protect me, not because there's something organically wrong with me. I'm working on setting boundaries. I'm working on only doing what is wise for me and my family. I'm working on knowing that I am not the authority for what is right and wrong for anyone other than myself and my kids. I am remembering the person and mother that I am. I'm remembering how I want to spend the next five minutes. I'm remembering what it feels like to be at home within myself. Isn't that what this is all about? being the best mom you can be, being the mom we want to be. We are not perfect, and this voyage is never-ending, I think. It can be really fucking hard. It can be really fucking hard to keep going. It can be really fucking hard to not remember what true joy feels like. But then, one day, you'll be sitting on your couch, wrapped up in work-from-home life, and your 14-month-old 
will come barreling out of the kitchen with her robot-like walk. She'll be holding a bag of pirate's booty that's bigger than her, and she'll shove that bag of pirate's booty in your face while screaming her version of eat, and you'll feel it. You'll know exactly what it is, even though you haven't felt it in days, months, years, joy. And you'll know that even though it's fleeting, it's still there. So keep going. Oh, oh my gosh. That is just so good. So good. I didn't think I would cry. (laughs) mm, You know, I... Thank you. Thank you for being brave enough and vulnerable enough to, to share that story. It's emotional for me. And, you know, of course I know you and I know your babies and I love you all. And so there's parts of that story that, you know, you would think make me really emotional, but there were a few parts that resonated with me and got me emotional that I wasn't even expecting. And it was that one part where you said, has it ever happened to you? where you don't even realize it's happening and you just find yourself so far away from yourself, like just like so far gone and you don't even realize it or realize it's happening and that it's been so long since you felt joy or, or felt at home in yourself. And I think, you know, that really resonated with me and I'm guessing there's just so many people out there that can relate to that just that sentiment that this life happens to all of us and we all experience trauma. And that was the other takeaway for me is I, I love your point about trauma and gratitude that you can have both Mm -hmm. and that you can be really thankful for all that you have and all that you have in this world and in this life, especially as Americans, I think, you know, you hear that expression, you know, when we, express uh, something negative and you, you know, someone might respond with, oh yeah, first world problems, right? Because we live in America and we have so much compared to the rest of the world. And that is very true. And it's something I'm sure you realize and I realize, but that doesn't mean we can't experience trauma. I agree. And I think that that sentiment, right? Like, oh, first world problems are, yeah, I hear you, but Imagine what's going on with so-and-so. They've got this going on. Right. I think that's great. And it's always good to recognize the struggles that others are having. But I think when you feel that so much that you end up feeling guilty for having your own trauma and acknowledging the own, your own feelings that come from that trauma adds to like the depth of how hard it is to work through your stuff when Mm -hmm. you're guilty or just having your feelings. And I would imagine in the sphere of motherhood, again, this isn't a sphere that that I've lived in, but I've certainly observed with all my friends and sisters and women that I know that when you have healthy, happy babies, you probably see other mothers who have babies that might be really struggling to survive or might be chronically ill or terminally ill. And you think to yourself, oh my gosh, well, I can't complain. I'm so lucky. Right. You know, I don't, you know, you either feel guilty about experiencing and expressing your own trauma or you don't want to jinx yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I still, you know, I look at Facebook and see stories about kids who are sick and I still think just that I I can't look at this. I don't want to jinx myself. What if this were me? 
So that's when you kind of just have to step back and say, wow, thank God it's not me. And I'm so thankful and let it stop there. At least for me, I can really start having really unproductive thought processes. So I have to stop myself. You know, I've heard Brene Brown talk about this too. And I've heard, I'm sure you know Brene, right? Yes. I love yes. Brene. <laughs> um, she's one of my idols and heroes. But I've heard her talk about when she tends to start to spiral, especially around anxiety and worrying about her kids or, you know, things happening, bad things happening. She'll try to stop herself and go to gratitude to try to stop that train of thought about what could happen and that all those thoughts that come from a place of fear and just be grateful and try to express some gratitude. And that's a, a tool that she's learned to kind of shake herself out of that thought pattern. Something else too, that my therapist and I have talked about is like recognizing the physical symptoms. Like when mm. you're starting to have unproductive thought convert or thought processes, like what are your physical symptoms? Like for me, I get like brain fog, my heart starts to race, my mind, my thoughts race. Hmm. I just try to spend time like, okay, how can I make myself feel better with my physical symptoms in this moment? And my mental health, my thought processes always follow closely after I've hmm. felt better with my physical symptoms. And it really just, yeah, that's been really helpful for me. How is your postpartum OCD now? So I think it's a lot better. You know, fortunately, um, postpartum OCD is an acute disorder, so it's not chronic. It tends to go away after the first year. So I don't have those intrusive thoughts anymore. Thank goodness. I think that's why it was really hard for me to read about them just now, because I haven't thought them in a while. I've definitely realized that though my postpartum OCD has, I think, gotten a lot better, I still have a lot of like unproductive thought processes and neural pathways that my brain takes me down um, that aren't helpful and don't serve me well and aren't wise. So that's what I'm working on now is just, you know, though the postpartum OCD is gone, I still really struggle with anxiety and just being in the moment and how do I want to spend the next five minutes? That's really helpful for me when I feel myself getting going. Uh, the other theme that I loved that you shared about that I thought was so universal is figuring out and working on how to be at home in yourself. Mm -hmm. And isn't that what we all, you know, really that's kind of the human existence, right? That we're all searching for. And a lot of times try to find in all different destructive ways, but I just, that's gotta be such a universal theme. So if there are young mothers listening out there who relate to this and are thinking, oh my goodness, like I do that. And, you know, I wonder if I have postpartum OCD, what do you recommend they do? Find a therapist and don't just find any therapist, like find a therapist who can really give you some insight into yourself and how not only things that have happen to you in your life affect your current thought processes, but who can also just educate you on like the human condition and the fact that brains are centuries, years old, and there has been no upgrade, right? Like we still have the same brain that we had centuries ago. So a lot of our thought processes are really related to like those basic needs of survival and stability. 
can understand that about yourself and understand what you need, um, it's really exciting to see the things that can happen and the ways that you can feel better and just all the different spaces in your life that it can touch, right? From like yourself to work, to your relationships with your significant other, with your children, your friends, your parents, find a therapist and not one that just can tell you not to worry about the dishes in the sink. One that can really connect with you and help you understand like, wow, you've gotten really far away from home. Let's try to bring you back. And it's so funny that you say that, you know, I've never really spent any time thinking about that, but you're so right that in this world we live in today, we're so used to technology and we're so used to operating system upgrades, you know, yes. that <laughs> a- Apple releases all the time on wow. our phones and on our computers. And, you know, our brains are old school and yeah. we got to work with that. I can't take credit for that. That was like all my therapists, you know, I, I hadn't thought about that either. And when she said that, I was like, oh, wow, you're right. Like I am concerned about my stability in this relationship. So I'm doing all these things. So, yeah. And one last question, and this doesn't have to be related to what you just shared or postpartum OCD, but um, what is the number one life lesson you've learned that you wish everyone could learn? Like that this world would just flow so much easier if everyone could just have this same aha that you've had? Hmm. I think um, for me, like my hardest lesson to learn is that there's not, there's always an answer for something, but you might not know it right now. And you can really drive yourself crazy, like trying to find the answer instead of, you know, just sitting with it and accepting like, okay, there's an answer for this, but I don't know it right now. And that's okay. I love that. That's really good. Really good. All right. Well, anything else you want to share or say to our listeners? Thank you for being interested and feeling like this was important enough to share. Yeah. So important. I definitely do. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope that essay that Lindsay shared resonated with you. I know for me, the idea about trauma and gratitude existing in the same sphere and that we don't have to feel guilty about owning our trauma and expressing it and processing it. And we can do that at the same time that we're grateful for all of the blessings in our life. I think we can be vulnerable and strong at the same time and we can be afraid and brave. Like all those things can coexist in us and in our world. And I think that is so valuable. It's such a valuable lesson for all of us to learn. And I'm really grateful that Lindsay was brave enough and willing enough to share her story. I hope that you, along with Lindsay and I, are working towards finding home in yourself. Because I think ultimately, that's what we are all striving for and searching for. And something that I really hope that this podcast, All There Is, is helping me and you in that journey. So again, thanks for tuning in. You can go to kellybargabas.com slash podcast and you can listen to past episodes there. Or you can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Google, pretty much anywhere podcasts can be found. And until we meet again, take care.